Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Jesus came into the world to make people a new creation. He came into the world to bring us into a personal relationship with God, not to start a new religion that has rules, religious rituals, external conformity to a moral standard. Jesus came to bring us a whole new life. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18 in a message titled, A New Creation. Now here's Pastor Brian. So here we are. We have arrived at our final study in the letter to the Galatians, and I trust that God has used this in our lives to uh, strengthen us in our faith and to just establish us more so in his grace, because that's really the theme of the letter. Paul, of course, is defending his gospel, the gospel of grace, but it's not just the theme of the letter, uh, grace is really the theme of the New Testament. That's, you know, if you, if you could just put one big theme over the New Testament, it's, it's the grace of God through Christ. And so that is uh, what Paul has uh, contended for here in Galatians. And what we want to do today as we come to this final study together is uh, just kind of walk through the verses like we did uh, previously and then come back and really focus in on verse 15. So that'll be our primary focus today, verse 15. But let me just, you know, walk us real quickly through the verses. We, we looked at this previously. Paul wrote this letter himself, which was really an expression of his deep affection for them because Paul apparently had a an eye condition that would have limited him from being able to do that. But he, but he did it here and he mentions it. And then he went on to speak about uh, the false teachers. Their, the whole motive was self-centered. They wanted people to follow after them and they wanted to be able to glory in their own superior spirituality or morality. Paul said, God forbid that I should glory or boast in anything but the cross. And having said that, he then, in verse 15, he says something very similar to what he's previously said, because in uh, verse 6 of chapter 5, he says, for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. In the previous chapter, he said, but faith working through love is what the, the goal is. Now, he says the same thing, except he says, the goal is a new creation. And then he goes on and he says, as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So as many as are walking uh, according to this rule of grace, according to this rule of, of no boasting in the flesh, but only boasting in Christ, peace and mercy be upon them. And, and of course, it's only if we are founded in the grace of God that we're going to have peace because 
as long as I'm trying to earn my salvation, as long as I'm trying to work my way into God's favor, ultimately into heaven, uh, I'm never going to be at peace, or at least not for very long, because everything's going to be contingent on my performance. But peace is the natural result of understanding and, and being established in God's grace. So as many as walk according to this rule, this rule of grace. And then he says in verse 17, from now on, let no one trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So here at the end of the letter, it's almost like Paul is just saying, you know what? I'm done with this conversation. These people who are trying to trip you up are uh, nothing. They have no standing. They've done nothing for the kingdom of God. And I'm, I'm finished with this discussion with them. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And just a quick comment before we move on. You know, this is so often how it is. Those who do the least for the kingdom oftentimes criticize those who do the most for the kingdom. So, you know, today, especially as we live in this you know, crazy world of the internet and all of that. You know, anybody who's, who's really serving Christ and making an impact, you can find tons and tons of criticism uh, regarding them uh, all over the internet. And nine times out of 10, the people that are criticizing them are the people that have never really done much of anything. And so it's always, you know, sort of ironic. You just look at it and think, really? You, so what gives you the authority to even talk about this? What, you know, what, exactly have you done for the advancement of the kingdom besides just sit in your bedroom and piddle around on your computer? You know, that's kind of what it amounts to. You've heard the term uh, armchair quarterbacking. An armchair quarterback, right, is a, is a guy who sits in his armchair watching the game, absolutely convinced the quarterback on the field's an idiot and he could play 10 times better. Only problem is he's never played a football game in his life, so he has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. And there's people like that. That's who Paul's talking about in his days. Like, you know what? We're done with this conversation. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Until you've been beaten for the gospel, until you've suffered shipwreck for the gospel, until you've been stoned for the gospel, don't talk to me about the gospel. <laughs> that, that's really what Paul is saying here. So, and then he finalizes with verse 18, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So we today are going to spend the rest of our time focusing in on verse 15, because it's in this 15th verse that Paul sums up in one sentence, the objective, the goal, the purpose of the gospel. The purpose of the gospel is a new creation. This is what God intended when he sent Christ into the world. This is what God intended as the gospel would go forth. Not that people would, you know, leave their religion for another religion, not to develop a, a new religious system. See, some people mistakenly think, and it's, it's very common, especially in the, from the secular standpoint, that Jesus founded a new religion. So, you know, you've got... Uh, the, the so-called great religions of the world. And you've got um, Buddhism and Hinduism and Judaism and Islam, and you've got the respective you know, founders, 
supposedly of these religions. And then, of course, you got the Christian religion, and Jesus was the founder of that. Jesus Christ did not come into the world to start a new religion. There's plenty of religion in the world when Jesus came. Jesus came into the world to make people a new creation. He came into the world to bring us into a personal relationship with God, not to start a new religion that has its particular rules or uh, religious rituals, uh, external conformity to a moral standard. Th those are the things that you see in religion. Jesus came to bring us a whole new life. That's what he came to do. And that's what Paul is saying. So he, when he says that circumcision nor uncircumcision avail anything. Really, Paul's just saying, look, you know, this is not the point. This is not what the gospel was sent into the world for. So we could get all bound up in these kinds of ritualistic things. No, the gospel came into the world to give us a new life. This was the message of the prophets. It was the message of Jesus when he was here on earth. It was the message that the apostles took into the world. If we think about the prophets, if you go back to the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, there the Lord speaking through Jeremiah the prophet, he talked about a day that he would make a new covenant, and it wouldn't be like the previous covenant. He said for the previous covenant, the people broke that covenant. He said but he would make a new covenant where he would put his law the Lord said, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. All shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. So the prophets talked about a day when God would do this new thing. Now, notice something here. I'm going to put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. One of the ways we can differentiate between religion and the gospel is to understand that one is external, the other is internal. You see, religion is external. It's, it's out there. It's, a, it's a, a list of do's and don'ts. It's a, it's a ritual that you go through. And you, you do all of this with the hope of changing yourself on the inside. But the problem is it doesn't work. You can't be changed that way that's really what the, what the law did. That was the first covenant. So God says, I'm going to make a new covenant with them. I am going to put my law in their mind and in their heart. So you see, now what we're talking about is something internal. And that's what the gospel is about. It's about God changing us from the inside out. It's about God coming in and, and doing a work inside of us that results in us living differently. It's not trying to live differently and hopefully that's going to make us better people on the inside. You know, again, that, that doesn't work. Jesus illustrated this with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the guys in his generation who knew the Bible better than anybody else. They adhered to the religious rules more strictly than anyone else. But Jesus said concerning them that they were like a cup that was washed on the outside, but inside it was full of corruption. You see, that's, that's what you end up with. You know, think of a bottle or a cup or a glass with some putrid liquid in it, and uh, you put a, a lid on it, and you polish it up really nice, 
and you look at it, you might think, wow, this, this looks good. I wonder what this is. This is a beautiful container, maybe. Maybe it's even made of some sort of metal, so it's polished really finely. But you pop the lid off, and it's putrid. Well, that's the way it is. Human nature is putrid. It's sinful. And you can take the outside, and you can deck it with all kinds of religious types of things, but it doesn't change. So God's going to do something in the new covenant from the inside out. Uh, The Lord spoke through Ezekiel, the prophet, chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. And he said this to Israel. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So God says, I'm going to put a new heart. You see? So that was the message of the prophets. And Jesus reiterated this when he came. Do you remember the story of Jesus having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus? It's recorded for us in the third chapter of John. And here's the significant thing about this in our context here. Nicodemus was part of that group known as the Pharisees. And Jesus referred to Nicodemus as the teacher of Israel. So Nicodemus is the, he's kind of like the the picture. He's the embodiment of the spiritual leadership of the nation. And Nicodemus was not a hypocrite. Most of the times when we think of Pharisees, we think of hypocrites because Jesus called them hypocrites because most of them were. But occasionally you found one of them that was sincere and Nicodemus was that. But in all of his goodness, in all of his understanding as the teacher of Israel, when he is asking Jesus essentially about, you know, how to make sure he's secured for heaven and, you know, right with God and pleasing to God, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. There's nothing that any of these rituals or observance of these rules, there's nothing that this can do to change your inner nature. You have to have a new birth. That was the message that Jesus brought. Something entirely new must happen. And then the gospel that went forth by the apostles, Paul being one of them, of course, this was the message. So here he says, a new creation is God's objective. This isn't the only place Paul used that term, a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, he said this to all those that believe in Jesus. He said, if, if anyone is in Christ, they are an altogether new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. So this is God's goal, if you will, through the gospel, to cre- recreate us in the image of of his son. You know, in uh, the first chapter of James, it refers to us as being the first fruits. The idea behind it is that we are the first specimens of a new creation. So God is recreating the universe and he's starting with human beings. And we are recreated as we put our faith in Christ. So that's what we want to focus on this whole idea of being a new creation. And let me just say this up front, and I'm going to say it at the end as well, because this is where we always somehow uh, lose it. 
If you today are a believer in Jesus, if you have given your life to him, you've surrendered to him as, as the Lord of your life, if that's you, you are present tense a new creation. You're not becoming a new creation. You are a new creation. And I say this because inevitably we lose sight of the, of the present tense reality and we end up thinking like, okay, a new creation. Yes, I've got to be a new creation. How do I be a, a new creation? I don't want anybody to leave here today saying, all right, so the message was about how do I make myself a new creation? That's not the message. The message is you are a new creation already. So the reality is, since this is what happens to a person when we receive Christ, when we're in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. So what we want to kind of look at is just what that looks like. We are a new creation. We're recreated through the power of the Spirit. And so it's not that I'm, I'm trying to become something. It's that this is who I am. Now I just need to realize it and let this work itself out. Let it work itself into me thoroughly and let it work itself out from me. So here's where we start. As a new creation, we have been given a new nature. That's where it starts. The problem is our nature, right? We're, it's, it's our human nature. It's our, our human nature is our sinful nature. And so if, we're, if there's ever going to be any hope for anything, we have to have a new nature. And that's exactly what happens as a new creation. I am given a new nature. And Peter puts it this way. He says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. So what God has done is he has put his very nature into us. So he's given us a new nature. Now, we all know what it's like to have a, maybe, maybe an evil desire or you know, to, to say things or to react in a certain way that we know in the end is wrong. And, but oftentimes, what do we do when we do that? What do we say? We say, well, you know, it's just the way I am. Well, you know, hey, it's just my nature. Or we might say about a certain thing, well, you know, hey, it's just natural. And, but the thing is actually wrong. But we say, well, it's just natural. Well, you know, it's true. It is just natural. But the problem is our nature is contaminated by sin. So we need a new nature. And that's what we get through faith in Christ. God gives us a new nature. That new nature then is going to bring us a new understanding. I have a new nature. Now I have a new understanding. Now I see things completely differently than I previously saw them. I'm looking now at the world through a different lens than I had looked at it through before. Before I saw the world through the lens of my sinful nature. Now I see the world through the lens of the new nature and through God's word. So I have now a new understanding. I have a new way of thinking. I remember a, a friend of mine who came to the Lord many years ago and nobody in his family appreciated the fact that he had become a follower of Jesus 
And one day his wife said to him, she said, you know, ever since you found that church and got hooked up with those Christian people and all of that, you know, ever, ever since that, uh, you know, you're, you're confused now. Your life is just full of confusion. And he looked at her and he said, really? He said, actually, I see more clearly now than I've ever seen before. Now, you know, for her, she couldn't see that at all because she was looking at everything through the lens of her own, her own sinful nature. But now he's looking through the new lens and he says, no, no, I'm, I'm not confused. I, things are clear. And that's what happens. God gives us a new understanding. Some years ago, I, I actually told this story the other day to the, I was sharing with them college students and I was telling them about um, just this, you know, how God gives us a new understanding, helps us to see things completely differently than we previously saw them. And, and I was commenting on how not everybody gets this because not everybody went through that kind of transition in the same type of way. And the illustration I was giving was my wife and I. So my wife was raised as a Christian. And so from the time she was a small child, She's had that influence of the scripture in her life, and she's seen you know, things through the biblical worldview. I wasn't raised like that. I didn't always think like that. So one time many years ago, and I can't remember the exact details of it, but uh, there was something that happened in the public realm, and I think it was with a politician or something, you know, some immorality or, or something like that that went on. I, I really remember this conversation because at a certain point, as we were hearing about you know, all the gory details of it. Uh, she just said in disgust, like, oh, I cannot believe that anybody could possibly think like that. Oh, just, you know, she's just disgusted and just couldn't understand how anybody could think that way. And I said, well, unfortunately, dear, uh, I totally get it. I can understand it because I used to think like that. I used to think exactly like that. I don't think like that anymore because I have been given a new understanding. See, when I used to see the, the world through the lens of my sinful nature, then I, 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 that's how I saw it. But now that I view the world through the new nature and God's word, I see things differently. Now, this is one of the reasons why people just don't get us once we become Christians. Because they, don't, they, they can't, it's like they can't get it. It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean God talks to you? That's ridiculous. What do you mean you're not going to have sex before marriage? What, what's the matter with you? Everybody does that. You're supposed to do that, right? So, you know, in our world, we, we become a, a real enigma to people when our thinking changes. But that's what happens. We get a new understanding, which then leads to a new lifestyle. If I've got a new nature with a new understanding, a new worldview, then that's going to change the way I live, right? It changes my behavior because now I understand that my previous behavior, that some of that was wrong and it was unpleasing to God. And plus now God has put his nature in me. So since God's nature is in me, then God does not do these things or delight in these things. He doesn't take pleasure in these things. So that very new nature is going to be causing me to have a change of behavior. But not just behavior. I want to broaden it to just more of a lifestyle change. 
That's what happens when you become a follower of Jesus. When you become a new creation, you, you have a lifestyle change. And you have different desires that develop. And you have different interests. For the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. Are you struggling to recognize the hand of God during difficult seasons of life? If you need a fresh reminder of God's presence in your present circumstances, or if you know someone who does, then you need to get this book. The Myth of Coincidence chronicles John Bonner's story of God's faithfulness and is full of devotional insights, scripture, and sections for reflecting upon how God is at work in your life. Dispel the myth of coincidence in your own story. Get this book today. The book, The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.